I'm Abhijat Saraswath, and this is Fringe Legal, a collection of conversations with innovators on how to put ideas into practice. Each episode is a conversation with a changemaker who shares their ideas, insights, and lessons from the journey. In this month's issue of the Singapore Law Gazette, I wrote an article which discusses how legal tech innovation can help drive success. In writing the article, I was fortunate enough to speak to several individuals in law firms to get their views. This included Asman Jafar, managing partner and one of the founding members of RHT Law Asia, headquartered out of Singapore. Asman was kind enough to let me record a conversation for the podcast, which I'm presenting here as a special segment. If you haven't read the article, hit pause, go do that first. The link should be available in your podcast player or wherever you're listening to this episode. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Asman Jafar. The RHT brand is set up in a rather interesting way. It includes the legal practice arm, as well as a separate professional services entity that is focused more on providing a complementary service. We start our discussion today with understanding how the business thinks about leveraging technology as part of both the law firm as well as the wider business. Probably a personal aspect to this. Technology is a bit of a preoccupation I've had for many years. I, I think it's just the thrill of knowing that there is a better way to do something or there could be uh, a quantum leap in innovation that, that can make you do something which nobody else might have thought about. And it's always about the next big step, that, that the holy grail of what's coming up, right, that, is, that, that will always excite us. But that said, I think we're all aware that financial resources are finite. I've written about the power of constraints to drive innovation several times in the past. Every business must grapple with doing the most with finite resources, whether those resources are time, money, available headcount, technology, or something completely different. How do you decide what to do next? Do you think to buy or build? And perhaps most importantly, how does that drive the overall business objective? I go off on a tangent to talk about things that can never be developed with the kind of money in which we can only amass from, from our partners and from what we do. But I think one of the biggest challenges we've had has always been the fact that, and like you said just now, what are we building next? Are we into building something on our own? We can talk a lot about the digital transformation of law firm. Over time, I've realized that the, the law practice is actually a very narrow field of very few players, not notwithstanding great lawyers, senior counsels, and, and everyone else that, that we can think of as, as a function of, of a bigger economy. We're, we're actually very small, very narrow, very niche, which makes sometimes applications in which we can develop of very limited use or ability simply because it's, it's not for general use, it's only for use by law firms. So I, I think the reality to develop something from scratch is, is a very big challenge. And I think, and then we have developed things from scratch. And I think I've, I've never been amused by the amount of time it takes to do this and the amount of resources that we have to put together just to get this done. Uh, I think one of the bigger problems about this is that anything you develop will sit on somebody else's platform. And at the end of the day, it's going to be subject to upgrades and changes to the platform itself and, and therefore requiring us to provide maintenance on, on, on the software we develop and so on. And 
that takes up a lot of time. It takes up it, it takes our eyes sometimes off off the ball, and I, I don't quite like that. So I, I think in the end, we've we've always tried to strike a balance between what we can obtain off the shelf from vendors mm-hmm. who specialize in software and other applications built specially for law firms and those which we can build ourselves. I, I think and that's always been the, the challenge, if you like, to balance between the two. What you said really strikes a nerve with me. We, we talk about legal technology, which is, to me, the very simple definition, something that's going to help with the practice of law, perhaps the business mm-hmm. of law, is a slightly more expanded definition. But there's also just technology. The determination, it sounds like you're making, is whether you want to become a technology business or a law practice or a professional services business. And I know one of the things that the firm had set up is the RHT model, which leverages technology. It's around, and it seems to go towards the capability of you becoming a local firm, but with international capabilities. How do you actually gauge whether to build a buy or if you're buying, let's say, which technologies do you go with first? As you said, there's a finite pool of cash. How do you decide what problem to tackle and where to add value? It's it's fair to say that the starting point of all this discussion relating to to technology in the past have always been with the law firm because Mm -hmm. a lot of what exists around us in the RHT ecosystem was largely something which the law firm started or the law firm saw that there could be some need uh, or demand for certain types of services and we ask around for other partners or other joint venture partners to work with us to provide professional solutions which are not related to the law or not related to our law practice. Now that also gave us some ideas in, in the sense that if to stick to the law practices rather narrow, which is fine. It's what we do and it's what we do well. And I think lawyers would always try to say that we, we only do the law, we don't do anything else. But the truth is, if we can apply our minds to it, there's a lot more which we can do outside the law if we just push the right buttons. As you've heard, in complex environment, such as what's been described here, it's important to find the balance. But how do you do that? Especially as you think about innovation, where do you pool resources? And what's the measure of success? Insofar as innovation is concerned, not necessarily relating to technologies for law firms. I think we've seen a lot more development in areas outside the law. We've been dabbling with blockchain and we we have an entity in which we've invested and which recently became part of ARA, Asset Management, which is something called SDEX, or which we internally call SDEX, which is essentially a digital exchange platform that runs on blockchain technology. To apply this internally to a law firm will mean that you're putting a huge engine into into very limited application. But when we put it outside the, the law firm, you could do a lot more. And, and we've always wondered whether we should be going after a bigger dream or we should be focusing on the internal dream of of being a a better law firm. So I think we've always worked on the basis that we apply the same principles when we work within the law firm. So we look for what we need to do in in terms of building new technologies for the law firm, but we don't really build new technologies. We learn how to use it more effectively, more efficiently. So more recently, we're into introducing or we're actually implementing, replacing our present practice management system. And of course, the drive is towards being more data-centric 
in, in the way we approach the business. We're, we're trying to gather more data. We're trying to make sure that we can access. In the past, we'd always look at templates, but now we're talking about can we write our own scripts to pull out reports relating to some of this data. And we now realize that we can because we, we have people with the capability to write the, the, the scripts to pull out uh, data from the SQL server so that we can arrange it in a way which would make sense. We could develop dashboards for our partners, develop dashboards for the practice areas, for the industry groups and so on. So we are learning to become more data centric. We are pushing out data, more data to our partners now to have them look at how the data is organized and how this is to be read especially right. data is nothing if they can't figure out what the data is about and, and what it means to, to what they do and then sometimes that can be itself a learning lesson for, for lawyers it takes a while but nonetheless we've started it but i think insofar as new technology is concerned it's going to be a very big challenge if we're going to talk about ourselves developing new technology so we're constantly scanning the horizon for something new which somebody else outside singapore may be yeah. developing which we can maybe participate in in the testing or we could become a subscriber to such services. So we were always constantly looking for that. And okay. I think in, in more recent times with the pandemic, we're looking at ways in which we could use technology to actually engage clients in a way which is more meaningful, innovative, as well as something that can be monitored instead of something that's one-off. Not just a CRM, but something that, that goes beyond the CRM that facilitates engagement with the client, enables the client to perhaps access directly some of the documentation that we work with them on so that they can be that there can be engagement is even in a very passive way that they don't have to come to us to say, can I discuss about this, but they could actually just retrieve the documents and passively drop us a note about what they were thinking about and that we could actually then follow up with them on, on what their questions um, are and then how they would like to proceed on the transaction and so on. And, and that's new territory. People have been talking about it. I, I think the, I've seen in, in the last two years, I've seen some platforms that enable this. One way to have impact is improve the internal efficiencies, processes and more. Another, as you described, is to make improvements in the client experience. As you think about making changes that impact your clients, what's the thought process? A lot of this is also a question of how far clients want to go. Some clients are, you know, always intrigued by new methods and some clients are keen to just keep status quo and not, you know, not, not change the way we, we, we engage with one another. There lies the challenge and I think sometimes it's just a question of finding the right time to change the way in which we do things because sometimes it's really a question of the moment. If, if the market is, is not ready to move that direction, you can be the first mover, but nobody's coming along with you. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. we think beyond the law, there can be a lot more. And we have so many things we've learned about what you could do with blockchain and what you could do with, with digital exchanges and what the real challenges are. And I think that kind of remains to be seen. And we, we typically keep that outside the scope of what we do as lawyers. So we let yeah. another bunch of people deal with that. And then they talk to us occasionally. We have uh, mutual or common forums in which we get together to, to talk about these things mm -hmm. so that we can learn. Because I think ultimately, if we're talking about the business of RHT, the law and, and beyond the law, this mm -hmm. can be an interesting way in which we deal with technology because today we're not just lawyers. You could be lawyers today. And if tomorrow you decide that someone comes to me and says, Asman, can I not do law anymore? Can I just jump over to the other side? I like the idea of 
thinking through how we can deploy new blockchain technologies to serve you know different markets and mm. we would say why not because if, if there's sometimes the best way to get new talent is to get talent from within uh, and then sometimes uh, we, we need to be getting into that direction where the kind of talent we attract will not be just lawyers it'll be lawyers who over time would want to expand their their headroom and, and look for new challenges that can be not just something that could be beneficial to the law firm, but can be beneficial to the entire group and our expanded client base as well. It sounds like you have this vision, if I can call it that, where you have your clients in the center, their requirements and their need, but your all the glue is around how do you continue to be client-centric and adopting to their needs and some of them will come with you in the new modified way of data-based decision making that you're looking to do you then almost radiate from there different business models and different business ideas so eventually as the world evolves uh, which it will of course it will then you're ready for a more diverse uh, set of businesses perhaps so you do have that diversification and perhaps if regulations and things change then you're able to do what a lot of the technology companies want to do which is to provide a full service experience in a whole bunch of different areas you mentioned at the beginning that technology is impacted by your personal experience as well and i know a lot of your practice you work with startups and, and tech companies and supporting them for ipos and MAs and all of that kind of stuff so you're probably Ex, uh, exposed to a lot more of the emerging tech scene outside of just legal compared to most. How much of that has an influence in what you want to do with RHT as a business? As a I have some regrets, I, I have to admit. I, I think I used to do a lot more of this than I do now because right. I, I have to tend to a flock that kind of takes <laughs> up my time. But many years ago during the dot-com boom, uh, a few friends of mine, army friends and others from OCS came up to me and said, hey, I got a plan. Why don't we do something? And we were at that time talking about cargo freight platform. It's nothing new today, but you, you want to flatten the marketplace to make sure that nobody hoards data relating to pricing. So right. at the end of the day, if if I can find I, I have something this big and I want to send it to I want to send this to Hong Kong, I can actually just go to the exchange and find out what's available and I click and I get on the platform and I pay and somebody picks up my stuff. It's got a certain element of artificial intelligence in it. And truth be told, in the 90s, it's ahead of the curve. Nobody was really into it. So after about a year of dealing with this, developing this engine and so on, looking at our competitors, testing it out, talking about it, dealing with the user interface as well as the user experience, we realized that uh, the, the world is not ready for this. So we made this very difficult decision of calling it off and everybody would then go back to what they were doing before that. Right. It was fun. We, we we learned quite a lot, but I think the I, I learned very much about the, the logic behind processes and how it's important to, to work on processes. It's one thing to have an idea, but it's another thing to, to look at processes and, and how people develop processes, how the user will typically have an idea over how things should work. So the user experience and, and what's intuitive and what's not intuitive, I think is important. So that has always been something exciting for me. It's about applying what you've learned. It's, it's been a learning journey, but I, I realized when we try to transpose this into what we do in law firms, I, I think one of the biggest challenges for law firms has been change. Hmm. The change in mindset. So past experiences and research feeds into future decision. What's become a theme across the many conversations we've had on the podcast is the tight relationship 
between transformation and change management. This was the case as we transformed so many ways of working in our personal lives from offline to online, and certainly seems like the case as we move from analog to digital as well. When we talk about digital transformation, a big part of it, in, in the words of a friend of mine who said that Asman is not about analog to digital, it's about the entire change in mindset about how you no longer look at analog processes, you no longer look at analog data. You're trying to tell yourself that everything we do now, we have to have a mindset of how we will use data and technology to transform what we do into something a whole lot bigger, better, faster. And that's always been a challenge in organizations, not just law firms. So I, I think a lot of it now has got to do not just about the technology, but it's about getting people to come along with you, getting to stakeholders and getting stakeholders to understand why they need this. And the part I enjoyed most is, is being able to share with them your vision of the future about you, you. You typically would have to have a good idea of what the future looks like, say, in three to five years. I think it's about the, the novelty of things. It's about sharing the journey and about about recreating the new tomorrow in your mind and, and telling someone that it's going to look like this and then convincing someone that it could. It might not be exactly the same in, in three years time, but it would look something like this. And, and see that excitement that may, well, sometimes not excitement, sometimes somebody will tell me that, Asman, you're mad, <laughs> but, but it's exciting. Yes. Yeah, and that's not always a bad thing, and to be a little bit mad, and that's how good ideas come out. Thank you so much. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I did recording it. If you found this episode entertaining, then please share this episode with at least one other person. That really helps us grow and enables us to have more awesome discussions in the future. The show was produced for Fringe Legal by yours truly, Abhijat Saraswath. And special thanks to our guest today. Until next time, stay well. <laughs>